So Money, episode 549, Leanne Jacobs, author of Beautiful Money. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. Thanks for joining me, March 20th, 2017. How would you describe your money in one word or your relationship with money? Some of us might use the word complicated. Others might say their relationship is automatic, which you know is true definitely in my life. Our guest today wants us all to have a beautiful relationship with money. What does that mean? Leanne Jacobs is our guest today. She's a dear friend, a friend of the show. She was actually on episode 16, one of our first shows in 2015 when we launched. She is a holistic wealth expert, and she's out with a new book now entitled Beautiful Money, The Four-Week Total Health Makeover. And the promise of the book is this, connect and align your inner self with clear and specific external actions, and you can achieve true wealth. Her book is based on her popular Beautiful Money course. She also has the Beautiful Money podcast, where I was a guest on the show. And I have to admit, when I first heard the concept of beautiful money, I thought it was a little abstract. I thought it was going to get a little too woo-woo for my taste, because you know I'm pretty rational and pretty pragmatic. I like action-driven steps. And so I was happy to hear that Leanne really delivers just that. She doesn't um, tell you to light candles and do seances and, and repeat money mantras in your head. Instead, she really talks about how we can be accountable to ourselves, the shifts and changes that we need to make to really align our values with our money and achieve thus beautiful money. And I urge you, if you want to learn more about Leanne, go back to episode 16 where she talked about her own volatile journey with money and work and the vicious cycle that a lot of us get into chasing the money, right? Here's Leanne Jacobs. Leanne Jacobs, welcome back to So Money, this time author of Beautiful Money. Can't wait to dive in. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me again. I'm so pumped. I was checking the last time you were on was early 2015. And I know at the time you were, although we didn't really talk about it on the podcast, you were in the midst of writing your first book, Beautiful Money. And this is based on your teachings. It's a four-week total health makeover that uh, is kind of the first time I've really seen it on, on this at this scale, at this level, someone connecting the dots between sort of holistic living and, and the role that money plays in having that ultimate fulfilling life. So tell us very simply, first, what does beautiful money mean? And what was the, what, what did you want to add to the conversation that you just felt wasn't being talked about? Well, I think in general, I feel like in my own world, I, I did follow the formula. You know, like I felt like in my head, I was doing everything correctly. I mean, we can all invest more, right? But I felt like I was really doing things properly intellectually. But there was a total disconnect in terms of my money with my heart and my with my head and my body. And just to kind of put that together, it's like I didn't feel aligned 
harmoniously. I felt like my money and, and I know Kate Northrup talked about this at the book launch, but like my money was like a separate entity and the rest of my world was on the other side. And so there always felt like as much as I could learn intellectually, there was always a disconnect between me as a being and like my schedule was packed. I was rushing all the time. I was chasing the six. I was doing like everything I was supposed to do, but internally there was like this this voice that continued to get louder as I got older, that was like, this philosophy is incorrect. So the philosophy being that you were compartmentalizing money, that you weren't really attaching any kind of feeling to it, that you were kind of just going through the motions of what you've been taught was quote unquote the right thing to do. And I was doing all the right things on paper, but like, we're not robots. Like I sort of felt like a robot. And at one point, you know, and I don't know if this comes with having kids or with age or whatever, but at one point I'm like, this, this is insanity. Like everybody else is doing the same thing. And the crazy part was a lot of my friends were like working. They couldn't physically work any more hours and they were more in debt. So it's like, it, it, it's like insanity. And I just felt like everyone else is doing this and it just doesn't feel right. And I also, I mean, I also think that what I have noticed is that there there needed to be a little more kindness infused into the money world, especially amongst women. And I felt that that was another area that I was really passionate about. So I thought, you know what, like, I'm just going to create a philosophy for my own life. And then I'm really secretly doing it for myself. And then I'm going to share it with other people in, in hopes that it helps them. And, and so far that's been the feedback is that people like my friend, my dear friend last night, she brought the book and she's like, she's, she was highlighting the pages she had read. And a lot of people are finding they're having, I wouldn't say aha moments, but it's like the energy of the book, I think is, is helping people wake up and connect more with their soul. And I think for me being a Pilates and yoga instructor in my twenties, uh, like the mind body connection for some people, they, they don't get it. They're kind of like, especially people who are really intellectual or really living in their head is even when I was teaching, I would like be trying to help them feel subtle movements in their body. And they really couldn't grasp it. it it's like, you have to train that connection and it's our money should not be a different <laughs> entity. You know, it, it, a lot of the disciplines and the habits we have with our well-being and with our soul and with our spirituality should be incorporated in how we handle money and, and our relationship with money. If we want to be totally living what I call in truth. So you can chase the money and you can be all perfect and you can like do all the data things right. But at the end of the day, I find people eventually wake up and feel totally spiritually starving. And for you, just to give more people some background on why this really hit home for you, while you were doing everything, quote unquote, right on paper, and but there was this kind of like emotional void, what was the blow up? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like take us back to that again. I know you brought this up in the first interview, but I think it's important to revisit that to kind of understand why this was such an important mission for you. Yeah. And I had to sort of heal from being a little bit of an extremist and all or nothing person. Um, I'm sure that I've got some OCD tendencies in me, but like I used to be that type of person that was like, go all out, do it all. Like I was um, working for Johnson and Johnson during the day, doing my MBA at night. I was married. I barely saw my husband. I was running marathons on the weekends. And then I was training at a 24 hour gym at like midnight or one in the morning. And that's like, that was, and then I got like 
addicted to that. So I didn't get curious about like, is this normal? And is this working? I just did it every day until I physically started to break down. And I think for me, like what I do believe is that the universe will totally crush you into fine wine. So eventually, if you don't move, your body will move you. And my hope with this book is that people don't wait for a crisis to start creating alignment in their life. And it could be a health crisis. It could be a financial crisis. It could, whatever the crisis will be, but it doesn't have to be that way. Although if we leave it up to our brains, they tend, it will tend to wait for a crisis to move you. It's just kind of how we're wired. So for me, it, it, it sort of got to the point where like physically, like I couldn't look pretty anymore. You know what I mean? Like on paper. Um, I went into work and I just, I didn't have any passion left to fake that everything was awesome. Um, So again, I don't recommend this, but I went into work and quit my job when my boss was on vacation and I sold all my assets. I was going through a divorce at the time. But I, the, the crazy thing is, from the outside world, everyone was like, oh, they felt so bad for me. They were like, oh my gosh, the poor thing. Like her life is falling apart. She's having like a 20-year-old crisis. But I was the most free and happy I'd ever been in my life. And I realized like now we're seeing like this simplicity kind of movement happening where people are like burnt out. They're selling everything. They're buying tiny houses. Like there's like all kinds of crazy things going on. Um, But I think at the time it was for me so curious that with nothing, no assets, I just feel the most happy. And the book we should mention really gives action-driven advice. Whereas I hear a lot of advice in this space regarding, you know, living your best life, financial best life, and um, where it's not so much about the charts and the numbers and like the tactical stuff, but it's more about vision and mindset that can kind of, for me, also feel a little disconnected. Like you got to ultimately do something. Yeah, you got to get off totally. the couch. It's not just like you can light candles and do yoga all day and meditate and your money will manifest. And I love that you really are realistic about it. Um, so tell us what are some of the external actions that we need to take to reach this beautiful money pinnacle? Yeah. So again, I'm so with you with that. Like, although I'm very into the holistic world, I'm also very practical. Um, and I'm, I'm very strategic and I'm very systemized. And I think one of the things that I'm most passionate about is teaching women the concept of leverage. They maybe have heard the word, but the concept of leverage in your life should be everywhere. And a tiny example is with my book launch, like instead of picking 20 local smaller shows in my country, I decided to pick one show that was national because I have four kids. I don't have a load of time. So I'm always thinking strategically, like how can I get the most bang for my buck in terms of my time? So leverage is a concept that is talked about in the book a lot that I think there's a leverage crisis out there and people are trying to physically do it all or physically create success or huge brands on their own. And that's going to like crush a person, right? So it's like, how can I get more leverage every day? And it can be small things. Um, How can I do more with my time? And like, for me, I have more space in my calendar than I do activities. And that's on purpose and it's strategic and, and it's planned. So some of the things that people can do to start is, again, you have to align your life with what matters most to you or you will be unhappy and you will eventually crack. So the book talks about aligning your world with your core values, but on t- but then it merges it with money intelligence, right? So like you need to know your net worth. 
every everyone should know their net worth today. And I didn't know it. And the reason I didn't know it is because I was deathly afraid to total up all the numbers. It's not that I don't know how to do a calculation. It's that I wasn't emotionally ready to look at the number in fear that it was like in the red. And I find that tends to be the commonality. It's like, I don't want to know what my net worth is. So I'm just going to continue to be ignorant. And that just keeps people in financial deficit like their whole life. So what I say in the book is like, know the numbers, but don't judge the numbers. Just know them and practice being detached emotionally from the numbers. But it is the number one thing you can do to transform your finances. Um, And then like having a detox, your debt plan. And this is something that I know, like, obviously this is your expertise, but I went through um, like a spending detox for basically a year. I only spent on my core values. So I spent on my business, I, you know, because I'm an entrepreneur, um, I spent on my well-being. So like I would buy, I would buy healthy food and I would spend on yoga and I would spend on travel because freedom is one of my values. But I didn't spend on stuff that didn't matter. I didn't spend on trivia. I didn't spend, I actually felt ill bringing bags into my home that had no meaning. So in the beginning, you'll notice your emotional tendencies to want to spend when you're feeling anxious or having a bad day or you just like you're stressed out. For me, when I'm anxious, I tend to spend or eat carbs and sugar. Like Those are the things that I, but I know that about myself. So I had to discipline myself That's in the me beginning. That's a good day, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, me too. Like, you know, that like a great day to me. Carbs major sugar. highs or major lows. That <laughs> tends to be what I do. So like for uh, for years, I would like buy Dairy Queen blizzards, you know, score blizzards when, I, and I don't even know if you guys have that in the states. Oh but. yes, oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> but like I, I, I was really um, so filled with anxiety and tension, not just around money, but around the fact that I was living so out of out of alignment with inner peace. Like I didn't have any inner peace, so I was living in the future all the time. So I couldn't enjoy the moment. I was like, okay, well, I had a fear of not having enough especially financially. So I couldn't chill out. Like I couldn't sit on my butt and like enjoy the day. I, I was always in the living in the future. Like, how can I get, how can I be more successful? How can I get more money? How can I be more productive? And I became addicted to being like that. And I I mean, that is, I mean, your nerves just can only handle that for so long. Back to the spending cleanse. I think that's really interesting. And you actually wrote about it for well and good dot com about how to actually have a beautiful money cleanse. I think that's something really good to walk us through. So the first thing you say is declutter your space because actually, and I've, I've read studies about this too, that the more organized and decluttered your space is, the more wealth you can actually bring into your life. Yeah. I think it's kind of just a universal law, right? Like if your your cup is overflowing, there is no space for more abundance. It's just the way it is. Whether someone thinks that's woohoo or not, it's the way it is. Um, and so you got to make space for it. And also a lot of times people have no space, but all the stuff that's clogging up their space is totally out of alignment or stuff maybe they should have been doing 10 years ago, but they're still doing it well, out of a fear. And, and the study that I read actually made a really interesting claim, which was that when you have excess you don't really know what you have. You know, the, the inventory is just a mess. And so when you're in the store or when you're thinking, if you're thinking about your needs versus your wants, you can't, you, it's hard to be accurate. And so we end up buying the same things that we already have because we actually don't even know if we have the, the right thing. 
And so when you minimize and you have a minimal lifestyle and you have three pairs of jeans instead of 13, you know exactly what color, cut, size they are. And it's easier to choose. It's easier to not want for other things because now you just know what you have. And that's a very liberating feeling. And you oh, so you spend totally. less in the process. Totally. And and a tiny aside for anyone listening who's a parent, there's this awesome book called Simplicity Parenting. But it's like, it's the same thing with kids. Like when they have too many toys, whatever their age is, there's an overwhelming feeling they have in their body and they can't develop mindfulness for like deep play. You give them one or two toys and they are so much more grounded and connected to the earth and so much happier. It's the same thing for adults. We just forget you know, we forget about that and we think more is better, but it's because we're addicted to more. Oh, that's so true. And you're telling me this after Christmas when Evan's gotten <laughs> so many toys. It's, I know. We've gotten well, addicted like, to giving him things. It's like worse for us than for him because he he's just on the receiving end of it. And it's really well, our fault. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm kind of like, I am definitely, I would say somewhat of a minimalist. And I really, at Christmas time, like I'm really mindful of that with kids, but I felt a little guilty, mom guilt, like maybe my kids are not going to experience joy because like I'm so obsessed with clear space and minimum. So I went a little nuts at Christmas, a little bit for me. And my mm-hmm. husband was like, oh, the roles have reversed. <laughs> I'm usually <laughs> off the I'm, rails, Leanne. Yeah. But then after I felt like, I don't know, there's an energy that just doesn't feel right. It's like that a bit of hoardy energy where you kind of feel like, what are, what is this serving? in terms of the kids and in our own world too. It's like a a little mindset I have is like, I would prefer bags going out than coming into my home, you know, like donating, giving to Mm -hmm. friends. Um, I, that's kind of just a flow of energy I've created. Um, and just it, it started with my beautiful money cleanse that I did. And in the beginning, it takes discipline. You having an accountability partner, because if you leave it up to yourself and your emotions, especially for women, um, you know, your, your emotions will win and you will go to get those shoes, you know, like you just will. So having uh, somebody to help you hold you accountable, but in a loving way, not in a hard way. I think we're so hard on ourselves already. Um, if we try to practice that like diet kind of mindset with our money, the same thing's going to happen, right? We're just going to like binge spend. Clean up your schedule is another part of the beautiful money cleanse. And, and what you mean by that is, clean it up, but also fill it up with the more meaningful practices that will actually generate the right sort of revenue and return for your bottom line. Yeah. Because I do think that there's a big shift going on where well-being is the new business card. Like, and it's happening more and more like, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but like you will just go to an event and you, there's just somebody with awesome energy in the room and you just like, you want to collaborate with them. You don't even know them, but there's just something about their energy where you're just Mm -hmm. like, I just need some of that and I want to do work with that person. So that that era is is just becoming more and more. So if the more you take care of yourself, I believe the more money is going to flow your way. This is just the way it is now. So what I have found helpful is like eight, and I just did this um, last week, eight weeks out of my calendar, I will block off my, my space first. So where I go, like my yoga or walking space, and it doesn't have to be two hours, you know, like it can be blocking off 15 minutes where you don't, don't book any calls. You don't book technology. Like it's just your space to do whatever makes you feel creative journal. Um, just like have a coffee with your partner, but if you don't book it, it will get sucked up into the abyss of chaos. 
Yeah, you got to book it or what can we say? Mm, <laughs> book it so you can bank it. Yeah, totally. Book it so you can have that. I'll and I, my creative space, because like for people who have online businesses, uh, if you are just in admin mode, sometimes your creative energy can't flow in and you may miss out on this like million dollar idea because you're too busy being busy. Mm. Oh, all right. I want to get to the other two steps. Detox your mental chatter. So we have these crazy voices in our head, right? How do we, how do we shoo them away? Well, I think awareness is first. Like if you want wealth, but you think broke, like your world is not going to shift. So one of the things that I did was I realized I had an issue with worthiness. Like for some reason I felt worthy of just the income I was making. But when someone said, well, what about like triple that? There was something in my body that was like, I didn't deserve it. I had like, I realized that. And I, I do believe having language or whatever mantras or whatever you want to call them. Like I had one on my computer that just said, you deserve the best. And the reason I did that is because every time my low self-worth wanted to compromise, I wouldn't do it because I saw that little statement. So you deserve the best for me means like go after your intention. Don't settle when your self-chatter says, well, maybe something better won't come along. So just take that or just be okay with, you know, you just, you, you're just getting that amount of income. So don't go after your, in, your, your actual ideal. So affirmations and, and, and it can just be a statement that is around, and I talk about this in the book, like around what maybe your issues in your tissues are, and it will just help you to just realign yourself. When you're aware, you can do something about it. If you have no clue, you don't see a pattern in your life. You're going to, this is where we stay in ignorant. A lot of times people don't see the pattern, but like friends around them can see it, you know, mm -hmm. but they're not open enough and they're living from ego. So they just don't want to know. They'd rather be right than be happy. Tony Robbins would probably agree with that. I know you were one of his disciples. He said on the show that you got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. Living in victim is like mm. the most costly thing people can do. And it's easy to fall victim to our finances when we have debt and we're not yeah. working in the job that we want or we don't even have a job. So it's a slippery slope, but ultimately you are your savior. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you can transform your money quickly. The hard part is transforming your mindset because people stay in limbo sometimes for decades. Now, this last action step is a little, it may sound counterintuitive. You say, let go of control. Whereas, you know, when it comes to your money, you need to be mindful. You need to be in control. Otherwise, it can derail. So how do you work this into your cleanse? Yeah. So one of um, my business mentors, Jim Rohn, he talks about like, and a lot of leadership experts talk about like, there's a season to sow and a season to reap. The challenge is when you're someone like me, who's addicted to action, you don't kind of take your foot off the gas to let the good come in. So it's kind of like a wave, like you do the action, but then you sort of have to release and let the gifts come into your life. I was just in the action mode because I didn't trust that if I stopped the hustle, the gifts would come in. And I lived like that for more than 10 years. And then it, because I was, a, I had a fear of not having enough. So when I sort of set, committed to letting go and it was super uncomfortable, and allowing the gifts to come in because they they couldn't come in earlier because I was too busy being busy and I was hustling and I was not trusting. Why do you think you had a fear of not having enough? What what happened? Along it's the way? funny because I don't know. I like I had a stable childhood. Like I don't know where that came from, but 
I think it was just years of being sort of like the achiever and early on getting recognition for getting good grades or getting an award. And I realized young that, oh, I get, I get praise and liked if I get an achievement. So I think it became that. And then I just got a little addicted to achieving. And then I got sucked into the world of like being in massive action all the time. Addicted so, to achievement is a thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. It's a real totally. thing. And I, I skipped this one, but you also suggest in the cleanse to adopt a new healthy habit. Mm-hmm. Where do you begin with discovering what this new healthy habit should be? So I think um, one of my favorite books truly is The Seven Habits of Highly Affected People. Like that, the book rocked my world. I And it's so simple. You know, you read it and you're like, well, I kind of know this. But I think it's like, and sometimes you may have to ask like a partner or a boss or a colleague because you may not be aware of, of where your messes are. For me, I had a tendency of sort of, I work good under pressure, but that's a big detriment because I would often wait till a crisis, till a crisis happened to clean up my financial mess, right? Um, so it's, it's really recognizing like, do things before it's a crisis. So as an example, if you're waiting till the end of the year to like shove money into your savings accounts or tax accounts, or you're like, ah, I'm not going to save for my taxes, but I'll just hustle and make the cash flow a month before they're due. You know, like the waiting for crisis for me, I really related to. Um, but I found the seven habits was really genius and I apply it to my money because it's, it's habits are habits, right? And where we have messes in our finances, we tend to have like messes in other areas. So it's just identifying sort of how you operate and where you're not managing your money well or where you're not respecting your money. Leanne, thank you so much for for positioning money in such a beautiful way, you know, in a way that I think we all can relate to and want to talk more about money in this fashion because I I am the first to say that, you know, when you talk about money in a very black and white way, spreadsheets data, it's a snooze fest. Yeah. <laughs> and it and it's it's hard to really feel connected to that, but you've done it in such a a lovely way and an important way. We wish you the best with this book, Beautiful Money, The Four-Week Total Wealth Makeover. And as I mentioned earlier, Leanne was on the show about a year ago, oh maybe two years ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think I was pregnant. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> so for more on your background and your philosophies, personal philosophies around money. I think it's worth a listen to marry that interview with this to really find how she's come to this journey and produce such a fantastic lesson for us all. So good luck, Leanne. Congratulations. And maybe we'll have you back on another time when, uh, you know, you never know. You got to let this manifest and see what happens next. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again for having me back on the show. Thanks so much to Leanne for stopping by. The book is out. It's called Beautiful Money. Her website is leannejacobs.com. And you can also follow her on Twitter at Leanne M. Jacobs, one word. And if you have any questions for me, don't forget you can always send me your thoughts at somoneypodcast.com. Click on Ask Farnoosh and we will connect that way. And I'll hopefully answer one of your questions on a forthcoming episode of Ask Farnoosh on Fridays. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope your day is so money.